Today's Words and Nerds podcast is sponsored by The Accomplice by Steve Kavanagh. If you were married to a serial killer, would you know? Steve Kavanagh's follow-up to the best-selling 13, 50-50 and The Devil's Advocate is his twistiest yet. The Sandman serial killings have been solved. Daniel Miller murdered 14 people before he vanished. His wife Carrie now faces trial as his accomplice. The FBI, the district attorney, the media and everyone in America believe she knew and helped cover up her husband's crimes. The only thing between a life in jail or free Freedom is Eddie Flynn and his team. Steve Kavanagh is the master of the twist and The Accomplice will keep you guessing right to the last page. The Accomplice is released in Australia on the 26th of July. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm Uh. feeling sick. Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Today, I welcome Karis McEwen. Karis is the current president of the Victorian branch of the Children's Book Council of Australia. Very impressive. She's also a school librarian and passionate about the role libraries and literature play in the well-being of young people. She has has been a columnist for books and publishing, and her work has appeared in library journals such as Synergy, Insight and Connections. All the little tricky things, which we're going to talk about today, is her debut middle grade novel. Congratulations on your debut middle grade novel thank you so much Danny it's yeah it's really overwhelming in a good way (laughs) yeah I'm gonna ask you all those questions too this interview is gonna be all the little tricky things but we spoke last time it wasn't really about a single book it was about um, the CBCA Vic and that was in episode 368 and it feels like yesterday but it also feels like a hundred years ago (laughs) it really does (laughs) But I was saying you make so many podcasts, so, so many episodes, so probably it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> my, um, yes, my aim is to try and say no occasionally, but I have, have issues with that. So I don't know if I'll learn and grow or just keep, just keep yeah. going. I don't know. We're, we're all very happy for you to keep saying yes. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. <laughs> Might just drop and collapse one day. I'm not sure. <laughs> now let's start with all the little tricky things. Give us an elevator pitch as to what this beautiful book's about. Sure. So all the little tricky things centers around a character called Bertie. She's 12 years old and it's set in the summer holidays before she starts high school. She has a lot of big feelings about starting high school, most of them not so good. Uh, So her best friend Claire writes her a list of things that she can do over the holidays to feel more prepared for high school and kind of growing up uh, in general. Um, So they work through the list together and think Things kind of go a little bit um, awry at times. Uh, that's where all the little tricky things sort of crop up as they work their way through the list. Mm, that list sounds terrifying. <laughs> 
it has it has some scary things on it. It's got some mm-hmm. sort of more lighthearted things on it. Um, I think Emily Gale, um, another author that I love so much, said it's a list that only a 12-year-old could write, and I kind yeah. of liked that. No, that's exactly <laughs> right. And where did that come from? Did that come from your 12-year-old self? Um, a little bit, a little bit of me, but probably more the kids that I work with at the moment because it is it is a contemporary book. I didn't want to set it, you know, in the 90s when I was growing up. So I probably drew more on the young people that I work with and, and they influenced the um, the character and, and the, the plot of the book as well. I love that. And working with kids, you know, I was a teacher for 17 years and I feel like kids just remind you to have joy in your life because being adult can be very serious business. <laughs> And I feel like when you're with, whether they're kids or high school kids, they sort of remind you that you can play, you can have fun, you can have a laugh. It's not all serious business. Do you find that as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I work with teenagers, so there is a bit of angst there as well. Bit of sass. (laughs) Absolutely. A bit of attitude, but I kind of love that as well. Um, And you're right. There is, there is a lot of joy, a lot of innocence. um, And yeah, I love being surrounded by that every day. Mm. I think being a teenager for me was such a memorable, powerful, terrifying time that when I interact with teenagers, when I taught them, I kind of, I kind of like it. Like you're saying, even if there's a bit of attitude and a bit of sass, you're like, yeah, well, being a teenager is really hard. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is literally a very tricky time. And and when you're just figuring everything out, trying to, you know, find out who you are and, and yeah, complicated friendships and just, yeah, it's messy in Mm. kind of a glorious way. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think the secret is, or it might be even more terrifying. So, you know, even when you're 30, you don't even know what you're doing. So it's okay to not know what you're doing now. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Why was it important for you to specifically explore the period between, you know, the transition between primary and high school? Yeah, so uh, I started writing the book in 2019, which was a time where I just started working at a brand new high school that just opened that year. And so we only had year seven students. So the focus was really on that particular age group. And I'd worked in high schools for quite a few years before that, but obviously with students from year seven to 12, so younger teenagers and the older ones as well. But seeing that uh, year seven age group really up close Uh, and in focus was very eye-opening to me and and just made me realise how difficult that time is. I mean, joyful as well, as we say, but it is a particularly interesting time in your life when you are starting to, to kind of think about growing up the, the you know the concept of growing up for the first time you know we were talking at school the other day about the big moments in your life when you start to feel grown up whether it's you know the first time you're allowed to get public transport by yourself or the first time you uh, stay at home by yourself and I think yeah starting high school is one of those big growing up moments uh, so yeah so I was thinking about that time and in particular I had a conversation with two year seven students who were talking to me about the things that they were nervous about about starting high school uh, and they were laughing at themselves they were saying you know um, we were worried about not being able to open our lockers that's so silly <laughs> and embarrassing but I knew exactly what they were talking about and in the moment those things can feel completely overwhelming uh, and I don't think we should dismiss those feelings even if in hindsight we can kind of laugh at ourselves for for being nervous or anxious about those little things. I still do that as an adult. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> we all do. <laughs> if, if we admit it to ourselves or not, we definitely do. <laughs> so, so yeah, I definitely um yeah got got inspiration from that conversation. Mm, I love that. Now you also explore the complexity of female friendships. Now I remember this very well in high school, in primary school, and they can be really tricky really complicated people are maturing at different rates you've got different interests you like there's boys are you interested in boys yet i don't know what do i wear how do i do my hair like it's all very confusing tell me about this and and how you wrote through that time yeah there's there's a lot going on there's a lot going on there's a lot of factors at play and and yeah i guess at that age you're maybe well, I certainly wasn't very self-aware about those things. Um, I think, you know, the kids I work with seem to be a little bit more on top of that stuff and have the language to, to talk about those things. But yeah, I mean, even now, yeah, for myself, female friendship can be really complicated. And the friendship in the book uh, between Bertie and Claire, they are opposites in a lot of ways. And I kind of wanted to celebrate the fact that you can be friends with someone that is really different to you because I love those friendships in my life. And, and as a teenager, I definitely had friends that were very different to me. But with that comes some complications. And as you say, when you are maturing at different times, when you have different interests, that can all yeah, become a little bit, a little bit complicated and difficult to navigate. And that's not to say that those friendships, uh, you know, have to stay the same. They, they can evolve and that's kind of okay. And you can obviously make different friends at that time, but yeah, I just wanted to look at, um, what that looks like for young people or for one young person in particular who who is trying to figure out um, who she is but also the kinds of people she wants to be friends with and whether the old friendships still um, are going to work as she is growing up. Mm, I found high school tricky because you're just with your group and you're sort of, you know, the oldest people in the school and then all of a sudden you're thrown into this gigantic environment with all these different school groups and it's quite overwhelming, I think, plus all the other things we were talking about as well. Yeah, exactly. And also at high school, a lot of the friendships that you make tend to be just by convenience or mm. by habit. You know, you get put in a class with or you get put in a seating chart and you're sitting next to someone and they sort of have to become your friend. And I kind of, the, the friendship in the book by with Birdie and Claire is that kind of friendship. Their mums were friends, so they kind of just had to become friends and not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think as obviously as you get older, you, your friendships tend to be the ones that you've purposely made, whether mm-hmm. whereas at high school, it can just be, you know, by coincidence or by design by. Yeah, by it's really interesting. And I think that's, you know, indicative of how many friends from high school you take with you into adulthood, you know, because you're not necessarily going to find your people just because you share a postcode. And I hear a lot of, <laughs> I hear a lot of people saying they didn't find their tribe or their people until they went to uni or until they went into the workforce and the world got a bit bigger. Exactly. And, you know, I still have some friends from high school, but I look at them now and we are all so different. Mm. And I think if we met now, maybe we wouldn't be friends. Uh, but, uh, but again, that's not a bad thing. I love, I love having, you know, friends that have history. And as I said, friends that are different to you. Mm, absolutely. Now I have the same thing with my two childhood friends. They're, they're quite similar and I'm quite different and we, our lives went on different paths 
but I think when you know someone for so long, you they just kind of become, you know, more like your sibling than a friend, you know, and it's okay that you're different. It's like, yeah, that's cool. That's just, you know, I think someone's seeing all the different versions of you as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult, as an adult. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm still with my high school boyfriend, so um, it is very interesting being with a partner who has seen you since you were 13 years old. <laughs> oh, that's really cute. <laughs> All the different versions of each other. Yeah, it is really seen. cool. It is. Now, as president of you know the CBCA Vic branch and being part of the industry, I mean, was there kind of pressure to deliver something that was really good? Yeah, absolutely. I felt that pressure. I mean, probably less so from the industry and more from the kids that I work with um, because kids are really discerning about their reading and they are very honest about what they like and what they don't like. And obviously I've always valued that. But now that I've put my own work out there, I have said to them, be nice. <laughs> if you don't like it, it's fine. <laughs> don't, don't tell me. me. <laughs> um, but yeah, but the industry as well, I mean, uh, I, I've been really lucky and I think, you know, this opportunity has come along in part because I have been in the industry and, you know, um, my publisher text reached out to me. I didn't submit a manuscript. They they reached out and asked me if I had a book um, because they knew that I was uh, a reader and somebody who loves uh, children's literature. So, so I'm very grateful for that opportunity. But yeah, it was a little bit nerve wracking, uh, the actual writing process and wondering whether, whether I could actually do it. <laughs> and when they asked you, did you have a book? Did you have a book? In my head, I did. <laughs> yeah, no, I had a story in my head, but I, I hadn't written anything down. But obviously that was a very motivating thing <laughs> to actually get it written down. Um, and obviously, you know, no guarantees that they accepted it, but they did. So, mm -hmm. so the process of publication from there was, did you pitch them the idea or did you send them a part of the manuscript? Um, I didn't pitch my, the idea. I just uh, spent a couple of weeks writing the first few chapters uh, and sent them, yeah, sort of the first five chapters and their immediate response was uh, no notes, just we want the rest of the book. So <laughs> I just had to, to get writing and, and finish it. So, mm. But I didn't sign any contracts until I'd submitted the, the completed Before. book. So there was, yeah, pressure to, to get it right. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And the first five chapters, do you recall, did they change much from original to now? Not really. Um, no, I mean, my editor is is wonderful and certainly, you know, made the book better. But in terms of, of you know, the concept, it's it, it's pretty much been the same mm. since then. So. I love that. I did love the character of Birdie. Um, you know, I found her a very adorable character. And I wanted to ask, did she, where did she come from? Did she come from your experiences or, you know, the, I know she came from some of your experiences from the kids as well. But is there a part of you in that character too? Yeah, there's definitely a part of me and Bertie. Uh, like her, I grew up in a small country town in WA, although my book is set in a fictional town and it could kind of be anywhere in Australia. Um, but I was sent to a private school in the city for high school. So that is the sort of lived experience that I've put into Bertie. But I'm definitely not Bertie. I kind of <laughs> wish I was more like Bertie. Um, my mom actually said recently that she thinks I'm more of a Claire. Oh. 
Ooh, best friend character. So mm. I don't know about that either. I think I'm a little bit of both maybe. <laughs> but um, but yeah, Bertie is is yeah, a little bit me, a little bit people that are that I've met, young people that I've met, and also yeah, kind of a way uh, to for me to like work out, I guess, some of those feelings that I did have about leaving my small town and, and going to the city for high school. Mm, I love that. Now, you've just been immersed in the industry from forever, you know, books and publishing, you're a columnist and obviously the CBCA and a librarian. Was this something that was always going to be your path? Um, I mean, it Probably not necessarily. I don't, I don't know if that's a strange answer, but my, I, I have always loved writing and enjoyed it. Um, but, but my first love was always reading. And, and I think the reason why I'd never written anything before was because I was always just too busy reading <laughs> and, and consuming literature rather than creating it. So it wasn't something that I always thought that would thought would happen. But as I said, when the opportunity arose, um, I definitely took it and I'm so glad I did. I really loved writing the book uh, and I'm, I'm trying to write something else at the moment and I'm really enjoying that experience too. So, uh, I, you know, I do work full time, so I write, you know, when I can, um, but it is something that, that I that I have been enjoying doing. Mm. And I think all that reading has probably set you up to know so much about how books are constructed that maybe that's why it did sort of come to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely hope so. Um, And as I say, it was really important to me that the voice of Bertie was really authentic and, and hopefully being around young people all the time helps with that a little bit. I think, as I say, kids, can tell straight away when a even when a book is trying too hard to sound like a teenager or, or isn't <laughs> yeah. quite right. So so I did really want to to get that right. And hopefully my experience reading and, and working with young people has helped with that. Mm. And I love the book how it is ultimately about forging your own path. So all these people around you are telling you maybe you have to be this way or you feel like you have to be a particular way. But ultimately, and this is a lesson for all of us, because I actually think you're always coming of age. You know, you're not just coming of age when you're a teenager. You're kind of always coming exactly. of age. Exactly. And Very I think, much so. yeah, and I think the idea of forging your own path, whatever that looks like, I think that's such an important message, not just for teenagers, but for all of us, all the time. Yeah, exactly. And and that looks different for everyone as well. You know, it, it, this Bertie is a pretty quiet character and she doesn't have, you know, some big moment where she completely changes her personality and becomes this huge, confident, like, <laughs> young person. But, but she's getting there and it's a work in progress. So, Karis, you know, the question I ask everyone on the podcast, and we've touched on it a little bit, but I want you to go a bit deep here. Why do you write? I write. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That is a hard one. It is. is. Um, I guess I write, even though I've said that I'm not Bertie, I kind of did write this book for 12-year-old Karis in a way and maybe like any other versions of 12-year-old Karis that exist now as in the kids that I work with. Um, When I was a young reader, I was a pretty bad reader in that I reread books over and over. I wasn't very good at trying new things um, because reading was such a comfort Mm. and it made me feel less alone. And so I guess I, I write 
because I want to give that experience to other people if I can, especially young people. That's why I've been writing for children. Uh, so yeah, it probably is a little bit therapeutic in a Absolutely. way, but kind of reaching back um, and giving the 12 year old Karis a reassuring hug, I suppose, in a way. Oh, I love that. That's the best answer ever. <laughs> And, you know, they do say, you know, kids watch the same movies and they read the same books over and over because there's comfort in that. And I love that. I love that idea that you can get comfort from art. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, I think that there's a bit of a yeah, anxiety thing that, that you rewatch things yeah. exactly for comfort and because, yeah, it feels it makes you feel less alone. Yeah, and you uh, remember and was, how you felt maybe the first time or the second time you read it and if that's safe and happy, you know, you, you draw back on those feelings, I think. Exactly. So hopefully, you know, some young person feels that way about my book. Yeah, I love that. I, was, I heard in 2020 when, you know, everyone was just panicking about COVID and it was very new to us that um, on the streaming channels, all the old sitcoms were getting this huge surge of popularity. And I think that's exactly why. Take me back to a time that wasn't scary and complicated when I felt good and could have a laugh and the world was okay. So I really like that idea of, yeah. of um, you know, music and books and art being able to take you back to those places. Yeah, it makes so much sense. I remember distinctly going to my local library and borrowing a book that I'd borrowed, you know, 17 times before and my local librarian just kind of, you know, giving me a little knowing smile, no judgment um, and yeah, it made me feel better about it. So that was nice too. And you were like, this is almost my book, really. <laughs> I think I'll just keep it. <laughs> yeah, I basically should have. <laughs> it had my name that many times on the, on the due date slip inside the that's cover. A, that's a great, great question as a librarian. How many times do you need to borrow a book before you just own it? <laughs> <laughs> there must be a, a must be. That's great. You're yeah. a librarian. You get to make up the rules. Okay. <laughs> Karis, it's been so lovely to talk to you and I'm, I'm really excited. I love debut books. I love seeing your journey, you know, being in the industry and loving the industry and then going, oh, you know, and then being approached to write. You know, I love how these things have just fallen into place for you and it's, it is, it's such a cute, warm little novel and I love it. I love the feel of it and the look of it too. So congratulations so much on, um, on your debut novel. We look so forward to whatever you've got in store for us next. Thank you so much, Danny. Lovely to have a chat with you.